one of the actions that people can take this Pride Month is one of the ones that I'm personally doing is being true to yourself and letting people know in all the aspects of your life who you are. It's hard to have the difficult conversations. It's hard to sometimes wear who you are on your sleeve, but I think putting that personal face to it is the fix that really makes a difference in our lives. As a person of color, I can't hide, but as a out and proud gay man, I can be aware that I can, and in cisgendered, I can hide behind that and appear not to be who I am. But for many in our community, they don't have that freedom. And so we have to be our true selves to and for them who don't have that ability to do so and really show the world that there are more of us out there than you may realize. We are here and we are doing what we can to bring the world to be more equitable place. I'm your host, Michelle King, joined by Kelly Thompson, and you're listening to The Fix, a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equality in the workplace and beyond. Global Pride Day is June 27th a day chosen for people to be proud of who they love, irrespective of their sexual orientation or gender. It's not just a celebration of love and acceptance. It's also a day to recognize how far we've come in celebrating the LGBTQIA community and how far we still have to go to ensure true equality, equity and inclusion of its members. In the 1960s in the United States, being homosexual was considered a mental illness. And at the same time, in the United Kingdom, it was considered a crime to be gay. But towards the end of the 60s, with events like the Stonewall Riots, the fight against homophobia and the fight for equality prevailed. On today's episode, we'll celebrate these achievements and unpack what more we need to do to achieve true equality. Joining us on this episode is Andre Thomas, New York City Pride co-chair, who will detail the theme for this year's Pride Month and the challenges that lie ahead. The Stonewall Uprising was a pivotal moment in the ongoing fight for equality. This was a time in history when society was increasingly focused on dismantling historic prejudices. In the same year as the riots, the term homophobia was first published, coined by psychologist George Weinberg. Now homophobia is often defined as the irrational fear of, aversion to, or discrimination against gay people. And biphobia is similar behaviour directed at people who are bisexual. Having language like this to identify and describe prejudice is essential if we are to tackle it. But the term homophobia is only a partial descriptor, not the whole picture. Professor Gregory Herrick is a psychologist and leading authority in this area. He points out that homophobia describes individual anti-gay attitudes and behaviours. This is in contrast with the related term heterosexism, which Professor Herrick says tends to refer to societal level ideologies and patterns of institutionalised oppression of non-heterosexual people. I think there are some parallels here with the terms transphobia and cissexism when we consider the impact on the trans community. 
Activist Julia Serrano defines cis sexism as the belief or assumption that cis people's gender identities, expressions and embodiments are more natural and legitimate than those of trans people. Professor Herrick writes that like institutional racism and sexism, heterosexism pervades societal customs and institutions. It operates through a dual process of invisibility and attack. So any orientation other than heterosexuality and any identity other than cisgender tends to be invisible in society and culture. And when people who are not heterosexual or not cisgender become visible, they risk attack. Put another way, heterosexism and cissexism are the subtler, pervasive and often unintentional cousins of the more obvious and conscious homophobia and transphobia. We still have a long way to go to tackle all of these forms of prejudice so that we can ensure true equality for everyone in the LGBTQIA community. So it's fitting that the theme for NYC Pride this year is the fight continues. Here Andre shares what the theme means to him. Our theme for this year is The Fight Continues. And we came to this theme looking at ourselves as an organization, as our members, and looking at where we are the past year, the pandemic, but with a lot of the movements of social justice that have gone on in the US and in the world, and our response to that and looking at where we've come the past couple of years. Two years ago, we celebrated World Pride, and that was a huge celebration. And looking back at 50 years of progress, but then also realizing that the bar hasn't been achieved for many members of the community. Our trans community, our black community, our native community, who still have not achieved and gotten the same access and equal rights that many white cisgender members of the community have shared. Learning and surviving through the AIDS crisis, and then the focus turning to marriage equality really made us aware those are the main issues for the community for a while too, but they didn't give space or focus for many of the community who those weren't the important things. Survival was what were the rights. And so we really knew that people think sometimes that, okay, we've achieved everything we need to, but no, we haven't. So we really want to make people aware that there are still fights that we need to to win. There are still battles ahead of us too. And it's a it's a long road. It doesn't mean because one country has achieved equality in many aspects that everyone has achieved equality because it's a it's equality for all of humankind across the world in the LGBTQIA plus community. LGBTQIA plus employees face a range of barriers of work like a lack of legal protection, differential benefits, hostile working conditions, exclusionary practices, pressure to hide their identities, and poor career development or limited opportunities for advancement. Here, Andre shares what actions companies need to take to remove these obstacles. You want companies and organizations to be a part of that fight. Companies, for very many situations, were the ones doing the fight for us. You know, examples in the U.S., we had a big example, the North Carolina bathroom bill. I think that was in the news for many, many, for many years. And that state lost about almost $4 billion in revenue because companies stood up and said, we're not going to support such political actions as these. Those don't align with our values. And companies have realized that they don't want, they want to be on the right side of history when it comes to those uh, civil rights issues. But we see it when June comes along 
and pride flags go up across all different organizations and where's the support after the what happens after june what happens in the months before and after and you need to ensure that those relationships that we're having with organizations and companies are authentic is a kind of is a phrase we like to use that they're deep you know many of the organizations that participate with us in pride those are spurred on by their lgbtqia plus employees and so i think that really adds and lends the authenticity we're trying to reach for and it's not just some people in the boardroom saying okay this is a marketing tool for us this is not just something that we can use to sell more goods to now a new and growing segment of the, of the population has a growing economic power it really is in essence for workers to say okay you want to sell to my community okay what are we getting out of it as an, as your employees not just okay you let me put a pride flag up but are you going to do things like give equal benefits to LGBT employees that you do to heterosexual employees, things like paid family leave, things like supporting adoption rights, domestic partner benefits, the basic same benefits that are given to a lot of heterosexual employees are the ones that we as LGBT employees are, are worthwhile in to keep and attract talent, which is really important these days. There's always, you know, a lot of high performing individuals can go anywhere sometimes these days. So in order to keep that talent, companies realize that you really have to give those employees incentives for continuing on with them too. And yes, economics has a great role to play in what these decisions, but it's also the intangible things. It's also, do you feel comfortable being yourself and your true self at work? Will your company let you use your pronouns in your email signatures? For example, will they let you have an LGBT employee resource group? Is your company rated on the HRC index, for example? Or if they're not, and your competitors are, is that something your recruiting teams are looking at? Um, there are just a myriad of ways that you know we can engage with organizations to push them to further support those because politics is usually slower than in the real world and politicians will oftentimes find they only, only follow where the money goes. And so a lot of times we've seen that if companies and their employees in the organizations are pushing their leadership to push for our rights, then the politicians have no choice but to follow because they're the, the decision makers um, at the top can only resist the economic wins for so long. If companies fail to take the required action to build an environment that truly values difference, they all too often engage in pinkwashing, which is a term used to describe the appropriation of sexual liberation movements for the advancement of corporate or political aims. It's when companies slap a rainbow on a product and claim they're supporting Pride Month, but then do nothing to advance or value the LGBTQIA employees who work for them. I think organizations, a lot of times, it comes down to the pinkwashing. It's a, they, they understand it in terms of, okay, I want this from you. I want to advertise that I'm an inclusive organization. So I want to put you, uh, almost sometimes prop you up as, hey, I have this many out LGBT employees. I'll, I want to use you in my pride advertising. Okay. 
what do I get for that as an employee? What do I say? What what benefits are you getting for me? And then advocating for that and pushing for that, talking to your human resources team, to whoever is in your is deciding your company's benefits and say, hey, this, these are things that are not satisfactory. A lot of companies these days are do internal surveys to look and employees may be afraid to actually put the truth when it comes to their feelings about their benefits or resources there. You actually have to really do what is necessary and identify those issues, speaking to your management and looking at what your competitors are doing, identifying that. I think that really makes a difference for organizations. The What We Know Project, a Cornell University initiative, found that discrimination has wide-ranging impacts on the health of LGBTQIA people, which are compounded for the most vulnerable. This is why the law has such an important role to play. Anti-discrimination laws alone won't create day-to-day equality, but good laws do provide a fundamental minimum safety net and they can be a really effective tool in pushing positive social change. For example, in the UK, controversial and damaging legislation, which had prohibited the promotion of homosexuality, was finally repealed in 2003. The law has meant that schools were banned from teaching about same-sex relationships. In the same year it was repealed, a new law was introduced, prohibiting discrimination and harassment on grounds of sexual orientation. The legal position is more complex in the United States because of the patchwork of rights created by a federal and state system. A number of states do prohibit sexual orientation discrimination, but the protection is variable and the legal battle is far from over. According to Stonewall, 72 countries criminalise same-sex relationships. In more than half the world, LGBTQ plus people may not be protected from discrimination by workplace law, and most governments deny trans people the right to legally change their name and gender from those that were assigned to them at birth. Back here in the UK, there's an ongoing debate about the barriers to trans people legally changing their gender. And in the US, although the House recently passed the Equality Act, which would give state level protection to the LGBTQ plus community, that law faces an uphill struggle to get through the Senate. And in the meantime, many people are left unprotected. Here in the U.S., our Supreme Court really certified last year that employees can be fired or discriminated against for being gay, for being LGBT. But now, so you've gotten everyone to the sort of basic you know, level that most people have with regards to existence and a right and a right to work. Ten years from now, it's okay. What are the other things that are really important? There's a huge pay gap between women and men. But there's still also a pay gap between LGBT employees and their heterosexual employees. There's still a promotion gap between LGBT employees and uh, other employees. And those economic differences can really make a difference. There is a large degree of LGBT employees who are under the poverty line, who are experiencing economic hardship. People can sometimes tokenize the ones they see at the top. Yes, you know, you have the Tim Cooks at Apple who are at the top of the food chain. He's only one out of many, many, many Fortune 500 companies that you can look at as examples of representation that we have. Only one out of five US companies, for example, offer paid family leave for LGBT employees. Only 58% 
of Fortune 500 companies offer transgender uh, inclusive benefits. So there's still work that needs to be done in order to bring everyone to that kind of equal playing field that our heterosexual counterparts enjoy. Performative allyship happens when people talk about issues related to inequality and share how committed they are to taking action, but they never really put this into practice. It's not enough to recognize the challenges. To be a real ally requires that you do the work to understand the issues, how you contribute to them, and what actions you need to take every day to tackle them, especially when no one is looking. Allies have a real role in support in many ERGs that they're not just uh, LGBT employees, but also allies who also play a role setting the tone and the same playing field and recognizing the playing field isn't fair can really help at least start the conversations. The next step is starting to have those conversations. Those one-on-one personal conversations, I think, with your coworkers, when you put an actual face to a real policy or a lack of a policy or a disparity can sometimes make those small changes. If it's going to your manager and saying, hey, I'm experiencing this issue and because of this work policy, it's really affecting me and it's making me look at other other organizations that support me better because of this. Do I feel included in the workplace? Do I feel that I'm, I have a place here? Do I feel I have growth here? Engaging your leadership. And it's, it's, it's difficult for people to have those brave conversations because some organizations, some employees are not as open to those. I find it also really helpful when it comes to, if you, if for people who are in global organizations, like I am myself, that you may have rights that whatever company you work for in your own uh, country that others who are in other countries might not have working for the same organization. And so helping to, you know, support your employees and support coworkers who may be in other countries who don't experience the same rights um, and being able to have them create safe spaces for them. Most people are going virtual these days to open those th- open those conversations to them and being able to being able to support them. I talked to colleagues in Asia, Asia-Pac countries in, in India, who experienced discrimination on a day-to-day basis in their own personal lives. But being, them being able to be out and open to me at work gives them a safe space. You're creating spaces for people who, frankly, don't have a safe space in their own lives. And work, a lot of times, is that escape for them. Those small intangible kind of support systems and giving those support systems is really helpful. ERGs, you know, really can make a difference in someone's lives and having a company to support your ERG authentically, to highlight it, to say when new employees are onboarded, oh, we have this resource for you that you can reach out to that your ERGs get funded, uh, because not just a not just having an ERG, but saying, hey, here's a budget for you to actually go ahead and do something within the community and support it that way. If, it, if it's not just a pride parade, if it's volunteering with other organization in the community to do so, because oftentimes the, the celebratory aspect of being gay is the one that companies want to highlight and not actually the working in the community with other 
organizations who are doing grand work that they want to highlight. Yes, of course, it has us um, very biased when it comes to that part of it with Pride, but we also, as a New York City Pride, help set the table for other community organizations to really work together. And we're working to set up authentic relationships between these organizations and corporations to pair them up together so that they can really work together to create lasting bonds. Finally, Andre shares one action that people can take this coming Pride Month to support the LGBTQIA plus community. I think the action that people can take, the fix that people can take this Pride Month is one of the ones that I'm personally doing is being true to yourself and letting people know in all the aspects of your life who you are. It's hard to have the difficult conversations. It's hard to sometimes wear who you are on your sleeve. But I think putting that personal face to it is the fix that really makes a difference in our lives. As a person of color, I can't hide, but as a out and and proud gay men, I can be aware that I can, and in cisgendered, I can hide behind that and appear not to be who I am. But for many in our community, they don't have that freedom. And so we have to be our true selves to inform them who don't have that ability to do so and really show the world that there are more of us out there than you may realize. We are here and we are doing what we can to bring the world to be more equitable place. The fight continues is such a powerful theme for this year's NYC Pride, and it's been chosen as it reflects the multitude of battles being fought. These include the coronavirus pandemic still ongoing, issues of police brutality, the alarming murder rate for trans people of colour, economic hardship, climate disasters, violent efforts to disenfranchise voters, rights as a community being questioned at the level of the US Supreme Court and more. As NYC Pride put it, we're in the midst of many different fights. And as Andre says, while it's important to acknowledge what we're fighting for and the challenges we face, we also must find the strength together to continue the fight. I hope today's episode has shed some light on the different ways you can take action and advance equality in your community and workplace before, during and beyond Pride Month. Before you go, just a quick reminder to check out the 100 Actions for Equality campaign, which provides 100 actions you can take every day to create a more equal working world. Just visit www.100actionsforequality.com. Thank you for tuning into our episode today. If you're interested in partnering with us or being a guest on the show, then please reach out through our website, thefixpodcast.org. You can also sign up to our monthly newsletter and contribute your story there. Thanks again, and I'll catch you all again next week.